Good morning and welcome to Backchat uh, with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And on Backchat uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, social media and uh, freedom of speech. That uh, following the decision by the board of Twitter to agree to a, a 44 billion US dollar takeover by the uh, billionaire businessman uh, Elon Musk. Uh, we have a, a couple of guests uh, with us for that uh, discussion, who I will introduce in just a moment. But before that, if you could uh, uh, just uh, bear with us because uh, there are a few emails here on uh, other topics that we've been uh, discussing this week. Um, the travel restrictions and the flight suspension mechanism uh, uh, always produce a big volume of uh, messages from listeners. But uh, anyway, this from Richard says... Uh, 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 Sorry, I'm not going to read that. Um, that's, uh, that's a mistake on my part. But uh, on our Facebook, uh, um, an, another Richard says, uh, the latter half of next month, question mark, that is uh, talking about uh, uh, more social distancing easing um, from uh, the 21st of May, says uh, the CE showing yet again that she is incapable of listening to any advice uh, from anyone. Um, Robert says, uh, so... On the 26th, our ever-cautious CE says there are no plans to bring forward any relaxation on social restrictions. Yet just hours later, we have the daily press briefing by the CHP that states that we have just uh, 347 cases in the last 24 hours. Now, that's, of course, good news, but uh, what is far more relevant is to read down and see that the HA reports that just two patients are in critical condition and three are serious. Can anyone explain... Uh, how an entire society of about 8 million people can be held to ransom by a disease that has just five persons in serious or critical condition. Is the Hong Kong hospital system so incapable that this is its maximum capacity? Um, Philip says... Um, once again, I'm disappointed with Carrie Lam. She said yesterday that there was no room to reduce restrictions despite a fall in confirmed COVID infections. She will stick to her present announced policy, which means we have to wait until the 21st of May to see any further re uh, uh, release of restrictions. Um, is this woman just plain stubborn or just so thick-skinned that she may feel she will lose face if she changes things earlier? Uh, she does not have uh, the pulse of her people and continues to show her arrogant style of leadership, which is crippling Hong Kong. Um, and uh, a couple more, just uh, on another issue we were talking about um, yesterday, which was uh, electric vehicles, um, or rather um, we were discussing that uh, on Monday, I think. Uh, uh, so... Uh, Jeff says, what about motorcycles? Technology for electric mo motorcycles is way behind. The police tried it and gave up and moved back to petrol bikes. And Charlie says, uh, I like the good stories about EV, that's electric vehicle uh, charging capabilities in Hong Kong, but uh, point of fact, it is woeful. The ideal charge for an EV is an overnight charge. However, the vast majority of flats in Hong Kong do not have EV charging capability. Uh, now the government has a plan in place to upgrade these blocks of flats to have EV charging capability, but really... Uh, uh, it has a government issue about it that the process can and does drag on and uh, 
uh, on, think, 12 months, 18 months or more. Clearly, no one will take the risk of purchasing an EV without being satisfied that the vehicle could be charged at the respective car park. That's from Charlie. Uh, thanks. Uh, responding to our topic yesterday about uh, KMB introducing electric buses and um, talking about electric vehicles in general. But back to this morning's topic. So, um, we're joined in our Admiralty studio by Chris Exline, who's a, a former chairman of uh, Republicans Abroad. And uh, on the line we have Florin uh, Constantine Serban, who's a lecturer in the Department of Communication Studies at uh, Hong Kong Baptist University. And a reminder that we're talking about the uh, agreement by the board of Twitter to accept the takeover office offer from uh, the billionaire businessman uh, Elon Musk. Um, perhaps um, um, Florentine Serban first, uh, how significant uh, is this going to be for, for Twitter, uh, for the future of the service, for its users? Good morning. Uh, indeed, it's very difficult to, to say at this point, right, because uh, as of now we are just trying to... Uh, put together different pieces of the puzzle and uh, we don't have a lot of material to work with, right? Uh, we uh, just know that uh, Elon Musk has uh, tweeted, has discussed in the past about uh, uh, the freedom of speech, that uh, he would like to see it uh, in a different way about uh, moderation practices that will have to be changed on a platform like Twitter. He also discussed about uh, algorithms being more transparent. Uh, so uh, probably uh, if there is going to be any kind of change, it will probably go uh, within these directions. But again, it's uh, uh, something that we can only speculate at this moment because there is no uh, uh, clear plan uh, uh, inside. I'm uh, happy to discuss about all these things uh, later on, mm. but uh, uh, as an overview, um, uh, this is pretty much where uh, most of the changes will uh, probably uh, happen. Mm. Look, Elon Musk's a businessman. This is clearly a business play underneath all this stuff about free speech. He's, he's managed to cobble together 44 billion, which is no small amount. So those investors obviously think they're going to get a return on their investment. How does he propose to monetize this? I think that's a very good question at the end of the day. Uh, Twitter has struggled in the past with making uh, uh, itself uh, as a viable uh, uh, platform, right? So uh, I think only in recent years it has started to uh, to do uh, a bit better on a financial uh, side, but uh, there um, is still some uh, lagging behind. If you compare, for example, Twitter with other uh, platforms, um, uh, there is definitely a chance uh, and a, a place for it to, uh, to grow further. Uh, as of now, we should also remember that Twitter yeah, uh, $44 billion, that's a huge amount. But if you're looking at the numbers, if you're looking at the users, yeah, I'm, 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 I don't uh, um, yeah, have uh, all the financial background of, of the company, but if I'm looking at the users, uh, Twitter has less users than uh, a platform such as Snapchat. And that's important to, uh, to also keep in mind. Obviously, um, it is an attractive social media platform because it is being used by celebrities, yeah, from uh, people who are in uh, entertainment and uh, people who are uh, in politics, right? We uh, we know a former president who was very uh, active on uh, uh, that social media platform. So um, it is still to be seen how financial viable uh, this uh, platform can be uh, can become. Uh, um, Chris Exline, good morning to you. Morning. So yeah, the point there that uh, Florin Serban makes. 
about uh, Twitter uh, being used by senior politicians. Um, I know there's a lot of interest in this uh, in the United States, uh, which way uh, Twitter may go, uh, whether, whether Mr. Musk might um, uh, you know, do away with some of the, um, the, the measures that Twitter has for limiting what people can say. I mean, he's talked about uh, free speech being the bedrock of a functioning democracy. Uh, Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. And a little, a little bit grandiose, well, is, I think we could is, say. And, and don't forget that yeah. it's important to civilization. Oh yes, civilization. I mean, you know, this is uh, this is probably one of the world's great philanthropic efforts. I mean, I think that we should all be just so thankful that Elon Musk uh, has stepped up with his own shares to buy this noble enterprise. Uh, uh, sorry, it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think all of that is just a bunch of bluster. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> none of this is really about him trying to enrich the lives of anyone other than those people that have lent him the money and the other stakeholders that he's bringing along with it. Um, you know, and if you, I mean, you know. As far as the influence goes, I think it's somewhat fanciful. To th- if you look at the top 50 people uh, followers on Twitter, only one, Narendra Modi, uh, number 19 or number nine with 78.1 million followers, is a world leader. Um, I don't think that you know the world will come to an end or stop if we don't receive some form of inspirational updates from uh, Justin Bieber. Kevin Hart or Ella DeGeneres. Isn't this up there, though, with that kind of, it's not new, trend for business moguls to suddenly want to acquire media empires? I mean, Jeff Bezos has bought the Washington Post. We see this over and over again. When they get rich, they want to buy newspapers or TV stations. Well, I, I think this is in a different league than, than spending $250 million on the Washington Post. A $44 billion takeover um, is a massive undertaking. And what I will give him credit for, I mean, he's uh, investing one-third of his shares in Tesla, tying them up as collateral for these loans. And Morgan Stanley came up with the syndicate or the, came up with uh, all the money to do an all-cash offer over a weekend. Um, now, sometimes I get these phone calls from people wanting to ask if I need money, and I did think maybe I could buy Twitter, and I asked if I could get $44 billion and uh, did not get a favorable reply. So, no, it's, it's a serious thing. I mean, the, and what, what Dr. Florin said, um, it's all about modulating the user base. You've got to increase the, the, the number of users significantly, which loosening the content restrictions will do. Um, and what this does is this actually will add and create higher barriers to entry to competitors and cement its situational dominance with all of these things, whether it's Trump's or whether it's Parler. And now what is I find fascinating and what Elon Musk has done very well is he's now made Twitter the talk of the conversation. He's now made it um, relevant, and he has sucked all the oxygen out of Trump's venture and everything else, and people are going to be paying attention to it. But as, and, as somebody said this morning, that it creates an unstable hellscape for objectionable content. It oh, really it does. does. It does not. I, 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 there, you've got to understand, in my opinion, that there's a definite difference between freedom and forums. Okay? This is a forum. This is a public company, not a public utility. When I was a young kid and I was going to go get my uh, driver's license and, um, and living in Chicago, the first question on the exam is driving in the state of Illinois is A, a right, or B, a privilege. These Facebook, Snapchat, 
Twitter, those, those aren't anybody's rights. These are companies controlled by executives and boards and shareholders, and they can make decisions on how they want to best uh, mo monitor their experience or create their content. And if you look at all of the people that have now come out, you've got this you know, partisan parade of protectionism that wants to tax the rich and bring back Donald Trump, replay the 2020 election. And all of that's just a bunch of bluster. So why has he bought it? Oh, I tell you, I think it, it follow the money. Uh, I'm not being flippant, but I think he's bought it because if he can increase the user base, if he increases the user base from 200 to 300 to 400 million, then the revenues go up. He's going. The only algorithm that matters is the one where they loosen the content and how that uh, affects or has deleterious consequences for its revenue. Then, uh, because he's got so much of his shares uh, floated or uh, locked up, I think he'll float Twitter in three, three, four years. Mm. I think it'll be back on the mm. stock market. Mm. Mm. But uh, Florian Serban, uh, there is a, a lot of concern uh, in Europe. Uh, Europe is uh, due to introduce uh, new regulations on uh, on social media. Um, do you do you see any any room for conflict there? Sure. Um, I mean, going back to what Mr. Eckstein was saying earlier, uh, honestly, I am more reserved. Like uh, uh, looking at it from um, uh, a social perspective, right? Uh, what is the role in our society of these kind of platforms? Uh, I don't want to refer to it uh, only from a financial perspective because that's not my, uh, my area at the end of the day. But um, we need to ask ourselves, okay, what is the importance of platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, and so on? Unfortunately, we get to discuss about all these things when uh, disruptive, disruptive events uh, happen. For example, Elon Musk buying something or uh, Mark Zuckerberg coming out with uh, a metaverse idea. Uh, but at the end of the day, we need to really need we really need to consider whether changing anything on Twitter right now will make for a better experience for the users. Um, I don't really think that uh, is just a private a private service because at the end of the day, we have become part of this platforms, right? They are pretty much indispensable. We can't just say, well, I'm going to opt out of social media, right? We can't just say, I, uh, you know what, I will not have a smartphone. I will not have a social media account. I will just uh, live my life without uh, getting in touch with my friends there. So, um, and, and this, if you, if you uh, uh, want me to go back to your uh, question, uh, this is how the European Union, for example, sees this kind of uh, platforms. Uh, the, um, uh, European uh, Service, Digital Services Act that will um, uh, uh, come into uh, play uh, pretty soon, it's going to force all these platforms to recognize their roles in society. They are not just private services. They are infrastructures. They are places where people gather, they discuss. They, at the end of the day, when Elon Musk is paying $44 billion, he's not just paying that money for uh, some algorithms, right, and for a piece of code. He's also paying it for what Twitter can do in our societies, right? It's paying uh, for it based on its power to uh, distribute information, power of communication, and so on. So I think we should see uh, the role of Twitter as, uh, you know, being more integral to our society. Um, how Twitter, how Facebook, how a lot of these companies that are um, US-based uh, originally, how they will be able to adapt to the new European regulations, we have yet to see. They are quite strict. They are going to put a lot and a lot of burden on these companies in order to make sure that what happens there, what happens on these platforms, 
is pretty much in line with uh, what a viable society uh, should be. Mm. Mm. But the trouble with digital media is we all labour under the illusion that we are their customers. We're not. We're their product. Our eyeballs, our attention, that's, that's their currency. That's what they sell to advertisers. So how is he going to refrain from messing with the algorithm when that's the very way these platforms operate, is to harvest your attention, your preferences, your tastes, and make monetarize uh, or monetarize them for advertisers how is he that's surely a complete conflict with letting the algorithms be open source and totally transparent well i i, I disagree a little bit i think that what we've seen and, and probably because i'm so much older than everybody else but it's <laughs> over the recent decades you just have this uh, what i think is a troubling you know a pursuit of personal prerogatives that we only want to be interested in news feeds or news sources uh, news sources that reinforce our pre-existing beliefs or dispositions but that's the chicken and egg thing they feed us the news feed that we show preference for it's the other way around well I, I, it is a chicken and egg thing but i think we have to remember that free speech and freedom of expression is never funneled through a single conduit of communication. If you want to have true freedom of expression, you need to have multiple mediums uh, in order for people to, and I realize people don't do this, but they should, but you have to have as many mediums as out there as possible so that you can make your own informed opinion. So you're saying that, the, and I agree with you, you've got to have a wide source of media because there is no such thing as an unbiased view of anything, is there? No, and there shouldn't be. I mean, um, I, if, if I follow a sports team, you know, I'm obviously biased on good news for that, and I'm, I'm eager to read uh, you know, uh, bad news about a competitor of that sports team. Um, and so that's part of what makes news and exploring fun. But we still have to, that's why I'm saying we have to differentiate between freedom and freedom of expression and forums. And if we allow ourselves to be singularly influenced by the forums, by not going out and investigating something else, then I, I think that the, uh, the question is really to the user and not the company. Mm. A couple of messages on our Facebook. Uh, Paul writes, uh, free speech is priceless, and I for one hope that Mr. Musk can, can bring some desperately needed free speech back into this highly regulated online world. It was well documented documented sorry how a jack dorsey uh, either shadow banned or even banned outright certain political opinions and if you only have to take a look at the current vegetative state of the white house to get a grasp of where that has taken us um, um uh, too much regulation chris exline um i think there probably is a bit too much regulation but and there are already there's many laws in place against hate crimes, uh, against um, you know uh, fake news, uh, against um, libel, slander, and those types of things. I think it's extraordinarily difficult and expensive to litigate them and enforce them. Um, but there, I mean, there will always be some form of bridle on the content on these forums. And I don't think Elon Musk is going to be some late night administrator of the communications committee to you know, sit there and say, uh, okay, that tweet can go. Uh, no that tweet can't so you know and you're you're going to have uh again restrictive content for things that are anti-society groups in society like lgbt or um certain religious uh things or nazism fascism those types of things but you have to have expression within these forms if not then you don't have any freedom of speech 
So how's he going to moderate this? He has three other companies. He already doesn't sleep very much. How is he physically going to have the bandwidth to attend to all of this? I, I think that's a very good question, and I think that's why I gave a three-year a three window. I think he's going to goose up the users, goose up the revenue, get rid of the competition, float it, and then focus back on SpaceX and Tesla. As we mentioned before, of course, the, the former U.S. President uh, Donald Trump was a very high-profile, very prominent uh, Twitter user until he was uh, banned from the service, and he now runs his own uh, social media platform. But um, do, do you think there's any room for any sort of a reconciliation there? Could we see Donald Trump back on Twitter again any time? Uh I think so, because Donald Trump loves attention, um, and Donald Trump is, I would say, probably 80% going to uh, run for uh, the presidency in 2024. Uh, but what I do think is part of the genius of Elon Musk's move now is, as I said earlier, this just decimates any competitive forums um, and makes Twitter the standalone one. And even in the one that President Trump raised, I, I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars for his own, that investment's probably now worthless. Mm. For, uh, Florian Serban, uh, um, Twitter's not particularly popular in Hong Kong, is it? Um, is that because it's, uh, it's, it, it's just in English, or, or what's the reason? No, I think we, we do have uh, uh, some music, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's not the kind of platform that will attract um, uh, a lot of traction. Uh, uh, everyone will have a different experience on Twitter, and I'm not sure there is uh, a wide array of data available when it comes to Twitter in Hong Kong. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's not necessarily about the quantity, it's about the quality, right? And uh, many people are flocking to, uh, to spaces like Twitter because they are interested in the quality of conversations and what happens there. Uh, if I may go back a bit to uh, what was discussed earlier, I think we still have to see whether uh, Elon Musk's uh, uh, skills uh, are transferable, right? Because we sometimes believe that if one person is uh, intelligent and is doing something very well when it comes to cars, when it comes to the space technology, uh, they will also be able to, um, to really uh, be uh, leaders when it comes to you know, communication platforms. And again, they are such a vital part of our uh, social uh, uh, stream that uh, it's very important how these platforms will continue to operate and how will they continue to change. Is crashing the competitors. And I, I believe there are a few uh, nuances here because on one hand, we discussed that we, we should have uh, more sources of information, we should have more platforms, but at the same time, we also discussed about crashing competitors, right? So I don't really uh, uh, know how we can balance this uh, uh, for the betterment of um, uh, uh, more people and not just, uh, you know, a person who has $44 billion uh, to, uh, to buy out uh, an existing uh, social platform. Well, I mean, I think uh, to answer that question also, we forget that Elon Musk was one of the three sort of founders of PayPal. And I think that the PayPal experience, and he has a deep Rolodex of uh, potential contacts within Silicon Valley from which he may draw. So I think that he'll be using those those things there. And yeah, that's that's actually the question. You know, do you allow market forces to dictate value of companies so that people can buy them? I mean, uh, a year ago, uh, Twitter was valued at $70 billion, and today it's 44 so is it a good investment? Or do we say, no, we have to have X number of competitors, and then at that point, it's government-regulated, and do we all want the government to dictate what freedom of 
expression looks like in our own forums. And I'm not going to answer that. Sure, that's also problematic, right? Because uh, uh, in different countries, you will have different kind of legal frameworks for that. So um, it's, you, you have a total valid point. We don't really know how will that play out uh, for a platform that, uh, at the end of the day, is global, right? Uh, uh, it will have to adhere to different regulations in different parts of the world. And I think this is also uh, one of the main difficulties when we are talking about freedom of speech. Elon Musk said that uh, he will make content uh, uh, that is legal uh, available on Twitter. Yeah, so he's saying as long as it's uh, in line with the state regulation, wherever we are, uh, we are going to be able to say those things. But what do you do if uh, in some parts of the world that content will be deemed illegal? Will we have censorship? Will we have uh, uh, moderation mechanisms that uh, uh, are going to be in line with those uh, state laws? Probably. So. Going back to his point, it's good to have freedom of speech. It's definitely uh, the right direction, but it's also very wishful thinking when you start to implement it at a global scale. It sounds unmanageable, doesn't it? And I think we could remind ourselves that there's no freedom without responsibility here. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that Elon Musk as a gatekeeper of freedom of speech is not something that he speaks at the gates of his factory in Shanghai. Mm. Okay, on that note, uh, we'll end the discussion, but uh, a very interesting, illuminating. Thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, Thank you. That was uh, Chris Thank Exline, uh, former chair of uh, Republicans Abroad, and uh, Florin Konstantin Serban, a lecturer at the Department of Communication Studies at uh, Hong Kong Baptist University. Um, and just before we go, a few more messages from listeners. Uh, this uh, also relating to the takeover of uh, Twitter. Uh, Marcus writes... Uh, Elon Musk is buying Twitter for $45 billion, while Sri Lanka faces starvation and collapse for $45 billion debt. There is something deeply wrong with our global society. Um, and a few more messages uh, about uh, COVID update and the ongoing travel restrictions. Uh, Alonso says uh, uh, in an email, Professor Cowling, Professor Pierce, Dr. Sridhar, the list is endless. I've lost count of how many of the medical experts on your show who have uh, unequivocally stated that the government's flight ban rule is unsupported by science, makes absolutely no sense and is damaging our city's economy and reputation. So who on earth is Carrie Lam taking her advice? from when she makes her COVID policy decisions. Um, uh, Nick says, your guest yesterday highlighted the important figures uh, now and going forward are the number of serious cases requiring hospitalisation. Should these figures be highlighted in your morning summary, more than total cases, when many of those total cases are asymptomatic or have mild symptoms? That from Nick. Um, uh, Richard on Facebook says uh, non-residents uh, will not come if there is a quarantine in an overpriced shoebox, nor will they come if there is uncertainty about whether their flight will actually get off the ground. This drip-feeding of social restriction easing by the government has to stop. Uh, John says, uh, Hi, if people decide to travel during COVID, they take all the risk. No point complaining to backchat about it. And uh, finally, from uh, Anita, we were talking about uh, on Monday taking care of country parks and beaches. Uh, Anita says uh, Hong Kong should hire country park ambassadors as do as other countries do. Country park ambassadors uh, uh, should walk around picnic sites and campsites, engage with the community, explain the importance of respecting the environment, explain to people the importance of taking rubbish 
rubbish away and where the closest rubbish and recycle points are. Uh, many years ago, we were in Whistler, Canada. The park ambassador walked around, greeted everyone, talked about the park management and environment, requested everyone to take their rubbish away and explained where the garbage and recycling points were. It's uh, in Hong Kong's interests to do the same. Uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to all our listeners. Thanks to you, Anna. Thank you, Jim. And a quick look at the weather before we go to the news summary and morning brew. Uh, it's going to be mainly fine today.